What's up, Alchemist? This is Ashley. This is Jessa. And here we are. We're ready to do this thing. Um, before we get started, we kind of thought that every episode it would be fun to do a random question because Ashley and I are just meeting each other as well. <laughs> like all the universe kind of brought us into this thing. So we're still we're trying to get to know each other too. Yeah. So we'll get to know you guys. You guys can get to know us at the same time as we get to know each other. Okay, this week, we're starting off real serious. Do you like your cereal soggy or crunchy? Crunchy. <laughs> I actually like it like right in between the, like you still have a little bit of crunch, but it's still a little moist. <laughs> I know people hate that word. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I said it. Oh, like my inside. <laughs> on that note i am uh i will not i don't even pour milk on my cereal i eat it separate like i have a glass of milk and cereal and i have one bite of cereal and then one drink of milk because i cannot stand anything like (laughs) like yogurt smoothies um mushy like no mm -mm, not my thing so yeah um that's so interesting. I would have never, ever picked that about you. I mean, not the, yeah. like the glass of milk in the, that's interesting. I've never heard anybody hearing cer- eating cereal like that. So yep, that's cool. You know, sandwiches, when you pack them, they get a little soggy and like my family's like, that is so disgusting, but it's like, it's food to me and I will eat it. It's fine. <laughs> I'm not that picky apparently. So I think when I'm hiking, that's like the only time I'll eat a sandwich like that but it's because I'm like super hungry. Um, my husband will make me sandwiches purposely so that they don't get soggy. And I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> like, I love it. Just give me food and I will eat it. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Another segment we want to do each episode is a card poll. Um, it's the Starseed Oracle. Rebecca Campbell and the artwork is by um, Danielle Noel and they have an Instagram. And um, this is something that I never, never used in my life growing up. I was never into like Oracle decks or tarot. It wasn't something that I understood, but again, I had fear because I had been told that that was bad. And so to me, I, I thought that they were, and actually um, now I use decks with my kids and we use them all the time because what you do, like, or what I do, I mean, it's different. Everybody's practice is different, but for example, I'll draw a card and it'll have a picture. This one, this is one of my favorite, favorite cards. It's a good one to get. Okay. So this one says perspective. None of this matters. Zoom out common ground. Okay. And it's just a picture. It's the earth, but it's super, super tiny. That's exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. Taking yourself from being inside of that experience and zooming out and observe it instead of reacting. A lot of times my kids will come back at me and they'll say, well, you're not listening to me. And it's like, well, yeah, I am. But then it's like, am I really (laughs) listening to you? And so it's like, okay, zoom out. And okay, 
let's try this again. This is why cards to me, I think they're so cool because it's like drawing that, it just gets you out of your like normal thought pattern and it, it gives you a prompt to consider something else. And then you can sit there and think like, okay, what am I stuck in and what can I zoom out on and what can I see from a bigger perspective? Um, so using that and then journaling with it or, you know, talking about it, like for me, I'll let my kids come draw a card and then we'll talk about what that card says. And, you know, with them, I have like kids cards too. So they'll draw like an animal. And is there something in them that you can bring into your life today and think about today? Okay. I'm going to be really strong. Like this bear is really strong and I'm going to be really strong today, you know? And then we'll talk about it before bed. Did you think about the bear today? Like, what do you think about? So simple and so little, but it's like, but these are incredible. So they're great tools to use. Yeah. Okay. Let's go on to Bill Real. I felt like this podcast, listening to it, like I could have just taken every single chunk of it and just input it in here because it was so good. So if you guys get a chance, it's the the guy's name is Bill Real, and he has a podcast called Yeah, Mormon Discussions. Um, it's a whole bunch of podcasts but it has like Mormon awakenings, um, Mormon history podcast, marriage on a tightrope, uh, Mormon wellness project, cognitive dissidents. Um, oh dang. I didn't even know he had that many. Yeah. There's like a whole bunch that he, and they're not all him, but some of them are. If you look up Mormon discussions podcast, you can follow it and then you subscribe to all of those. Um, but yeah, Bill real is, he's incredible. He is, um, he was a bishop. I think like by 30, he was a bishop. Um, he converted at 17 or 18. Um, he lives in St. George. And I felt like I had, I mean, just because I lived in St. George. Um, I, I don't know, I kind of felt like that connection. And then I started listening to um, some of his podcasts and some of his things when he was still a member. And then kind of following his story. Um, and he, he ended up being excommunicated. And... Um, it's actually recorded. It, it, it got recorded when he was in there. He didn't record it, but his, his disciplinary council was recorded and, um, him talking for, you know, for that 45 minutes or whatever it was. Um, and just sharing like his, his, his story. Like he didn't, he loves, he still loves the church. You know, he loved it and it wasn't, it was just telling the truth, you know, it was just being honest. And it was him being a bishop and seeing people coming in and like marriages falling apart and things falling apart for, for lives, like things that aren't even real. And, and people are so afraid that like, well, my husband's questioning and I am supposed to, you know, for me to go to the celestial kingdom, like I have to go with my husband because we're sealed for time and all eternity. And if he's falling away, like, what does that mean for me and my family? And it causes all this fear. And it's like, he just saw a lot of things, I think being, um, corrupted now in fear for like what happens next. And so a lot of what he talks about, and and he, I mean, he's incredible. He talks about so many things, but, um, I think now he like lives for now, you know, and he lives, I mean, he's kind to people and he, um, he's just very validating. So this podcast, yeah, it, this is literally like, this is very much his, um, kind of the outline that he went over in this podcast. And I will post a link to it because I feel like 
I want everybody, Mormon, not Mormon, you know, any religion, any not, I think anybody listening to this podcast will learn so much, but I know that there will be people that won't click on it. So we decided that we would, you know, walk through it together um, in hopes of just like reaching more ears because mm-hmm. great. It was, it was so beautifully done. Like I just got really excited listening to every single part because it's like, yes. And it, it just seems that he, he hit on every single point that I felt during at some point mm-hmm. during this process. And so it was just, if everybody could even, I mean, members and non-members alike, like you said, it's really important just to have the understanding behind it and the compassion for people for when they do leave instead of turning them away. It's just like, oh, well, I don't have to believe what you believe, but tell me more about what your thought process is on this and, you know, how are you feeling about this and why do you feel this way? Yeah, exactly. People, I think people are afraid of hearing something, but it's like just because you hear a different opinion or a different idea, it does not mean that you're committed to that. Like you can listen and hear and read all kinds of things and get other perspectives and ideas and just understand other people, you know? So yeah, like we said before, this is about um, those who leave and the stories we tell. That's what his podcast was called. Um, and we're just going to talk about people who leave and people who stay um, and, and kind of the narrative that gets corrupted, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he talks about the first half of life and he talks about how we fit in and, and that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to fit in. You you try to be accepted by people. And the older you get, the more individual you become because of your experiences, because of you know just who you are as a soul. But sometimes we have to hide certain things or um, you know keep certain parts of ourselves like quieter or we can't like be as bold or we can't be as expressive or whatever it is because we need to fit into this. Yeah. There's a way to be good. Right. And there's a way to um, Mm -hmm. be a good boy and a good girl. And so we start at a really young age, you know, um, filtering ourselves kind of well, you, you're, you're learning what's acceptable in someone else's, you know, narrative versus right. what you're, how you're able to freely express yourself. It seems right. right. Like you're learning acceptable behavior, behaviors and unacceptable, unacceptable behaviors. Right. Right. Um, and then, and then also that if we are authentic and we, we, you know, share too much, um, that you can be shamed for that, or you can feel like that regret or that shame or like, Oh, why did I say that? Or I shouldn't have talked about that. Or I shouldn't have said this. Um, you know, I should have just been quiet and just talked about the weather and whatever. And it's, it's, um, it's kept at surface level. And that's something right then and there that even as a kid, I could pick up on because it's like, But no, why? Like you ask, there's like six levels of whys that you ask to get to the real, you know, deep root of it. And so as I got older, it seems like those questions of why kept being more and more intense. And it's just like, well, I want to know why. Like, yeah, you can say this is X, Y, and Z because of ABC. And 
leave it at that, but it's just like, okay, well, what's the thought process behind that? Like, what, what, uh, like, how did that come about? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I just, at some point, the surface level stuff doesn't mean anything, Mm-mm. at no. least not to me. No. And it's like, okay, let's, let's, let's dig a little bit deeper. Right. And so I think that's when you have that desire to be authentic. You desire to know other people mm-hmm. authentically and you desire to even know yourself. Um, that was a big thing is I didn't realize I did not know myself. I was living in roles and I was, um, you know, I wanted to be a wife and I wanted to be a mom and I wanted to be this for other people because I was taught that serving is good and, and being selfless is good and being considerate and all that. And which it is like, there are so many good things taught in Mormonism and in religion. It's not all bad. Right. Um, but, but I did not know myself truly. I did not have any like self love or self, um, compassion or I was so critical of myself all the time. You know, I was in a really deep, deep depression at one point just because I just felt like I'm trying so hard and I just don't feel like I'm ever going to live up to what I, what everyone else is doing, what everyone else is. And then I realized, wait a minute, they're not doing this either. Like nobody is, but it's, but it's, um, it's not shared. It's not authentic. And it's, it's very filtered what we, what we show up as and what we share with other people. Right. Um, so when you desire to be authentic and you can't keep it quiet anymore, um, you, you decide, okay, I'm, I'm not going to, I don't care about fitting in, but I want to belong. I want to belong and be myself. I can have my flaws. I can have everything else out there. And, and I still feel like I belong here, right? You don't have to fit in, but you can belong. Does that make sense? Yep. You can explain. I, I didn't explain. I, right. No, you did. Because I feel like, um, you know, you go to church every day or not every day, but every Sunday mm-hmm. and you are part of that tribe, even though, you know, you may have, like you said, your quirks and stuff about everything. Mm-hmm. Right. All your quirks about you. Um, but you're still doing and being in that space. Mm-hmm. Right. For sure. Um, so yeah. So you like kind of create that unconditional love. So the second half of life, um, we start to be who we are. You know, we start to understand ourselves more. We start to see things a little bit differently. Um, And you also, at least for most people, you start to think critically. You start to ask questions and you start to um, push boundaries um, that are, that are set by your tribe. You know, wherever you're born, you are born into a tribe. You, you're born into, for the most part, and that's how it's been for a long time is you're born into a religion. Um, based on, you know, if you're, if you're born in Utah or you're born in the Middle East or you're born in, you know, China, like you're born into a tribe. Um, so when you start seeing other things, especially in the age where we are now, where we have the internet and we have access to so much information and, and the diversity that we're exposed to, um, you start to get like curious, like, wait, you know, this works for me. Mormonism as a straight white, you know, female in Utah, Mormonism is great. But I started seeing other people that didn't necessarily fit into that role. And I started to see um, the segregation, you know, and even if it was subliminal, even if people weren't um, consciously trying to be 
exclusive? We were. So you start questioning and you start asking questions and you're like, wait, why is this? Or why do we believe this thing? Or where did this come from? Right? When you dig deeper, that's where faith crisis starts. <laughs> right? <laughs> that's where the rabbit hole enters in. For me, mm-hmm. I, I never came out right and started asking questions. I've never been bold enough to ask any questions like in classes or anything, but I would just sit back in my chair and I would just kind of asking questions to myself like, well, that, that doesn't really ring true to me. And I remember one particular time in Sunday school where they got on the dialogue of tattoos and there was a gentleman sitting behind me and he was talking about his tattoos and how at some point they meant something to him, but then it's like he he was almost giving excuses of why he got them instead of just owning up and said, you know what, I have these and I'm proud of them and um, I'm not going to say sorry for them. But it was like, oh, well, shoot, I shouldn't have done that and that was a bad thing. And I just kind of sat I'm like, well, I don't really like that. It just felt really uncomfortable and inauthentic to me just because my husband has a tattoo. He got a tattoo while we were dating. It wasn't a big deal to me because I'm like, that's you know, who, you know, that's a part of you and I'm okay with that. And, you know, at that point I said, as long as you don't get any more, we'll be fine. And it just made me start to question. I'm like, well, if you desire something so much, why can't you just go do it? Mm -hmm. Why does it matter? Like who says that you can and can't do that? Like I have, I got a double um, ear pierce when I was in junior high And it was right before President Hinckley came out with the, you know, only one set of earrings type of thing. Mm -hmm. And I got so much crap. I got so much crap about every single week from my leaders. And it is still a sore spot for me because it, it really rocked me because it felt like they truly didn't care about me as a person. They only were concerned that I was disobeying the prophet, even though I had done something before he came out to say that it wasn't okay. And for me, that was really hard because it's like, well, you liked me, you know, yesterday and I did this today. And then it's like, you treat me or, you know, you treat me different just because these don't define me. My ear piercings don't define me. They they don't change anything about me. And and things just started to like, just rub me the wrong way. And I started to get really angry. Mm -hmm. And I don't know about you, but in my family, everybody hated Sundays. Everybody hated Sundays because mama's grumpy because we got to get everybody ready and dressed and looking good on time. And we have to put on our, our pretty faces and our happy faces um, in order to, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, for what, who, who are you doing it for? Because I don't want that for me. And and I, I would tell my husband, I'm like, I'm not intentionally doing this. It's just, I just feel so much stress around this that it's, it's just causing it's, everybody else. But it's the pressure to fit in. And I think sometimes when I, like I would try to explain that to Colton, my husband, because Sundays were the same thing. We would, we would go all week and be fine. And on Sundays we would get into these fights. And it was like every Sunday morning we were fighting because I was stressed out because I had to, the kids had to like get dressed and look good. And, and people say, well, that's not, you know, that's not, um, that's the people that's on the church or whatever, which, okay side note on like, we'll like put a pin in that one. But the thing is, is you, you are supposed to fit in, you know, when you don't fit in, 
every person listening, if you've ever been a Mormon, like, you know, whether you want to admit it or not, there is a judgment when a family shows up and they like look a certain way and they don't look put together and they don't, you know, like they look messy or they aren't, they aren't up to the standard. If you say that, that that isn't a common thing that they will be judged, that's a lie. Like, you know, that they, in, in certain, and I, and I, and I understand that outside of maybe like Idaho, Utah, like, you know, Arizona, I understand it's very different. Colton and I lived in Texas and, and it was not that way at all. You know, people went to church because they wanted to be there and not because every single person in their neighborhood would know that they weren't there. And then they would talk about it after like, well, where was this person? Where were they? Um, so anyway, sorry, squirrel point is, is that we had the same thing. We um, you know, we get into these fights and it would be like, you know, you have to like get the kids and get this. And he'd be frustrated because we were running late. And I'd be frustrated because, you know, he had showered and got ready, but then I, I'm trying to get the boys ready and I'm trying to get myself ready and look good so that people aren't talking about me as a mother because I was so insecure with how people perceived me as a mom. Right. Mm-hmm. So we had to look a certain way. We had to show up a certain way. They had to act a certain way. Um, it, and I think that that's a hard thing maybe to admit because you don't want to think that, that you're that judgmental. Um, but, sis, but systemically that's the norm, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it caused a lot of stress for us too. And then we'd come home and then it wasn't as big of a deal, but it's like that whole first half of the day was gone. And that's like, we're, we were always fighting. And one Sunday I was just like, this is stupid. Like, put your hiking shoes on. Like, let's go to the mountains. We're just going to go to the mountains and we're going to have fun. And I felt, you know, what I then called the spirit so much more on Sundays when I did not go because I was with my family. We were connecting with each other. We were in a space where we didn't have to show up for anybody else for any other reason. We were there to be with each other and we enjoyed each other and we learned about each other and we, you know, played and made memories. And, um, those were the best, those are my best Sundays. So it's like something isn't, something isn't right. So yeah, that's when you start kind of asking questions and, um, you know, learning a little bit more. Uh, I think part of that is, is learning that what I feel is right. What I feel good about isn't what the leaders are saying. So when you start questioning the leaders, like do the leaders really have all the answers, right? Is this really truth? Um, and then you start looking in the past and you start seeing what all of our prophets have said from the beginning um, and how it changes and how things are covered up or things are not talked about or things are dismissed or they're, you know, deleted or they're, you know, all the publishings are taken off the shelves. And it's like, for me, I was just so confused. Like if this prophet is talking to God, if they have this face-to-face interaction, you know, in the temple and they can communicate why are we so behind and so judgmental? Why do we only change when literally like culturally you have to, you know, whether it's mm-hmm. blacks in the priesthood and, you know, tax exemption. And like, I had never heard of that. You know, mm-hmm. I heard of so many little pieces and little half truths of stories my entire life of, of Joseph Smith and of Emma Smith and of, um, you know, I mean, Martin Harris and all you these hear the same stories over and over and over. And there's no 
there's no deviance from the way that it's told or the way that it's taught. And I see a really big problem with that because there is more that goes into it. There's more about the history that we aren't taught. You have to go out of your way to find these things. They're important details that have not been brought to light that I think that are imperative. If you are going to be in a religion or in, you know, this tribe where you decide, okay, this is how we've set it up and this is how we want it to look like. I feel like you need to bring up even the nitty gritty stuff, say, oh, maybe this wasn't such a great thing that, that happened, but here's what we're going to do to, you know, kind of remedy it right. or change it or whatever. And if there was complete transparency, you know, if we were like, you right. know, this is what we taught and we understand now we see things differently, society has changed then, you know, we're going to, we're going to change a society. But the fact is, is there's never any recognition of, of who, who has been hurt, who has been affected. It's that we are right and we will go and we will like change. We'll make changes, but you're not supposed to ask questions. You're not supposed to criticize, which who was it? Dallin H. Oak said, it is wrong to criticize the leaders of the church, even if the criticism is true. Actually, Bill Real talks about it because that's, that's like why he got excommunicated. He's like, but this is, I, he's like, I'm not even taking anti-Mormon literature or anything. He's like, this is all facts. I mean, he was a deep, he deeply, deeply understood Mormonism and he researched and learned. And he's like, if they're saying this thing and then all of a sudden we switch, there's this whole thing of like gaslighting and of manipulation and all these different things that come into it. And, um, if you just keep following and you just don't look at anything deeper or anything darker, then, then yeah, it's really easy to keep going along. Um, but when you start seeing people who have, who've been hurt and been um, half truths have been told about them or one sentence of their story is put there because it strengthens the narrative of the church. That's when it's really hard because as somebody who has now been judged and had my story so misconstrued, I can look at all these other people and it's like, wait, I had no idea anything else about Martin Harris than like the very little bit that I had been told, you know, there's so much more to him. There's so much more to all of these people in early, in early Mormonism. And so for me, none of my research ever started with, I want to prove this wrong. Well, I'm going to find things wrong with the church. It was like, this doesn't make sense to me. I want to understand why we believe this. Well, okay, this is our word of wisdom. Great. I want to understand it. But then I learned that like Joseph Smith drank until the day he died. It just makes you wonder because you're told, no, 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 no. This is bad. This is bad. But then, because I've heard stuff about Joseph Smith too, where I'm like, wait, what? I, I, yeah. I had no idea. And it's like, I would like to have all the information before right. I can make my own opinion about that before, right. you know. It's like, if, if you, if you show this narrative, you know, if, if you're going to say that this is the first vision. And this is when it happened. And this is what happened. Um, and this is what we're taught, right? And it's not until society as a, as a huge group until, until the church starts losing members by the thousands until we're going to address that, right? Like this past conference, all of a sudden, it was like after conference was over, there was like the, the little segment in between. It was like the, like the 12 o'clock. Well, there's actually four first visions. And it's like, yeah, because this is everywhere now. So now you're going to say it, but you're not going to address it to the masses, like in conference, like straight up, listen, there's four different first visions. 
We don't know which one was true because actually it was always changing. And the one that we always believed wasn't even from Joseph Smith. It was from somebody else. And like you, then you realize, I don't know. I don't even know the truth of like what we're being taught, like, because they aren't even teaching one truth. They will start addressing things. And like with the gospel topic essays, it's like, if you want to read them and you know that they're there, you can go read them, but you have to click deeper, deeper, deeper. And the messiness is, is hidden. It's not on the front page of LDS.org. You know, all of my research was in Mormon literature on LDS.org. It was on, on faithful, you know, like sites and stuff, because I never was trying to prove anything wrong. I just wanted to understand how, like, if, if, if we're saying that these families can't be together because they drink coffee and so they can't go to the temple and they can't, you know, be with their family forever. Well, I want to know why, like, what is that? Then I started learning about the history of word of wisdom and work. And it's like, wait, this is not like this revelation that just was written down one day. This is, I mean, there's like the petty, like back and forth with like Emma and Joseph and the men and the women and like, the coffee and the tobacco. And it was like, mm-hmm. well, you have to give up this, then we're going to give up this. And like, it, it just, it's so much deeper. Oh, can we even get, get into like the, it's okay to drink like energy drinks and, but green tea, sugar, sugar, and sugar and green sugar. tea. Nope. Oh, out of all the things, herbal tea. Like I've had a lot of, um, like nieces and nephews are like, you're drinking tea, but I'm like, but it's herbal tea. Like it's chamomile and lavender. And those are really good things for your body. And it's like, <laughs> but you're drinking a monster in the Red Bull. And it's like, what's in your stuff? Like somebody made it in a factory and that's okay. But guess what? We have been told a narrative that tea is bad for you. And we are not going to ask questions and we're not going to like, we're not going to, understand why we're just going to say, well, no, I was told that was bad. So I'm not going to even look any deeper. No one has said anything about not drinking, you know, a hundred ounces of Dr. Pepper a day. So I'm going to keep doing that, even though this is so much worse for you, but just because no one has said this to me, I'm not going to use my mind and critically think about this, right? That's frustrating. That was frustrating for me. So I, from the beginning, just wanted to understand then I started getting into it. I started understanding how many people's narratives were changed. And here we are. We're going to talk about that. Okay. So this is what happens when we start to question our leaders. Um, we start to look at things differently. Um, we push boundaries. We set, we decide we're not going to just fit in anymore. We're going to, um, you know, try to start being authentic. What happens is, is when people see somebody walk away, they, begin to corrupt the narrative um, of that person, right? And this isn't just the people. So I just want to address that, like, this is a systemic issue that the system teaches you over and over and over again. And it teaches the members that it's okay to do this, right? Because here are the narratives. They're lazy. They were deceived by Satan. They're under the influence of the adversary. They lack faith. They wanted to sin. They aren't trying enough. They stopped praying. They, all these things. And it's like, wait, I've heard this list over and over and over. But every single person I know that's left, not one of those things is true. And I know for me, it was a deep, deep, deep desire to know the truth. And I know for you, that was important for you too. 
I don't, but to have that mind shift of, okay, like I'm, I'm going to be done just trying to prove myself right and prove this to be true. I'm just going to sit back and be like, wait, what's the whole story? I want to know the actual truth. It's like the members point to behaviors as confirmation of the narrative. Right. But it's not that the sinning led me to leave. Right. Right. Which isn't even sinning, but it's like, no, leaving then led me to living a different life and which is viewed as sinning. I just got to the point where I was tired of being told what to do. I've never really been able to think on my own um, until really a bit, until I got married. And then it's like, wait, I have choices. Like, <laughs> I don't have to pick, you know, the Holy Ghost or eternal damnation. Like there's, there's another option. No, there's like 1400 million different options for you. And it's like, wait. So yeah. it just opened up my doors a little bit wider because, you know, everything is just so, you know, it's almost like you just have blinders on. And once you take those off, it's like you can actually look around the world and it's actually a very beautiful, safe place with so many possibilities mm-hmm. that you can do anything. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that makes me feel sad that unless that, unless what you're want is it is in line with what we want, then it's, it's bad. And you have to, you know. Yeah. That keeps people in the tribe, but that keeps people in the group. Because if you don't, you know, who is going to say, who's going to sit here and say, well, yeah, like there's so many options and there's a lot of things that are good in the world. And like, we don't really actually know if this is all the way the truth, you know, this is, then, then people are going to look other places, right? You have to have in any sort of high demand fundamentalist religion, you have to create fear in, in, in anything else that is not the system. And a a part of it is that they are the only ones with the full truth that you have to stay here or you will not go to the, to heaven or to the highest heaven or whatever it is. Um, Even if you did have the whole truth, why don't you let other people explore other options and then you give them the space to you know go out go experiment go you know go push the boundaries if we have the truth it cannot be harmed by investigation if we have not the truth it ought to be harmed and that's by jay rubin clark and he was a first presidency counselor um from 1934 to 1961 okay so basically um but what happens is they start to point to behaviors like they're not dressing modestly. They're, they're getting tattoos. They're drinking. You know, if they, if they do drugs, if they are, you know, now they support, um, you know, LGBTQ rights and they um, are more liberal in their views on racism or um, it, like all these, all these different things, then this is proof that they're right. All these things. See, do you see they're sinning? Do you see they're doing all these things? So, this is what happens when you leave because all these things are bad, right? They're proof of, of, of that. Um, and then, and then if you're doing those things, then you're bad, then you are broken or you're lost or you're led astray or you're less than or whatever. Um, and, and what happens is, is people start to see those things and then they talk with each other in the tribe. You know, people are saying this, they're asking, they're gossiping, they're saying what they think is happening, right? They lost the spirit. They wanted to spend one time. Why don't you ask them? Why don't you ask them? Why did you leave? What's going on? 
What did you learn? What did you find? Why, what did you feel like didn't add up for you anymore? Or what did you feel, you know, wasn't morally, like you didn't feel like was morally where you needed to go? Why'd you get a tattoo? You know, why can't people ask that? But, but that doesn't happen. Instead, it's, I'm going to tell the story how I want to and how I see it because this confirms my belief, right? And if I hear anything else, which you don't have to believe anything else, you can still have your beliefs and ask somebody else their experience or why they left. Um, but it doesn't happen. So what happens is, is there's two reasons why we have to do that. As, as a believer, even if it's unconscious, you need confirmation that that is true. So when somebody else's beliefs contradict what yours are, um, it starts to cause like that uncomfortable, that uncomfortable feeling. Because the thing is, is your beliefs are so much of your identity. And so if you, if even the idea of your beliefs being threatened, like, what does that mean about you? There's a reason that people get CPTSD or, or what is it? The post-traumatic uh, church syndrome. <laughs> yeah, there's that one or there's um, post-traumatic religious syndrome. And like, this is actually a thing now. Like this is real because it's what, a legit thing though. <laughs> because what people experience is so devastating. Your identity is like everything that you have faith and believe when you think, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense. And you, and your mind starts to think something else is true or that this isn't, and you start to lose that, you lose yourself. If I lose myself, I'm not just losing like who I think I am. It's like, wait, but if I don't think this, if I don't believe this, then what about my marriage to my husband? What about like us going and being an eternal family? What about my kids? What about, I mean, it is everything. But the problem is, is when you're losing somebody and you are losing that person, you are losing who you were, they're gone. It is a death. Like it is literally a death and a, and a stage of life that you have to mourn through. But instead of people bringing you casseroles and being like, Hey, I'm sorry that you're grieving, or I'm sorry that you're going through this extremely devastating process or time in your life, you're judged and you're ridiculed and you're criticized and you're ostracized and you're isolated and you are going through it trying to just put one step in front of the other, trying to figure out what you're going to do and how are you going to, what are you going to teach your kids? What is true? Like what, I, I don't want to teach this anymore because this does not, I don't want them to be where I am. You know, like I want to, to be more authentic and you, it's like, it's as a mom and as a wife and as anything, as a daughter, as anything, you're so attached to those roles that it's like a lot of it isn't even about you at the, at the beginning. It's about everything else that's falling away. And then it has to, you have to rebuild, but you have to start from nothing. And you do, you start alone and you start to rebuild. Okay. Like what, what am I going to do today? What is happening? Because the, the, the actual faith, the, 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 the post-traumatic religious syndrome is like, I, I, I don't know if you did. I had to go, like I was in therapy weekly because like, I didn't know how I was going to get through it. Like, I just thought 
if, if I'm going through this right now, then this is going to affect every single person in my life that's close to me. And if I'm wrong, then I am going to cause all these problems for all these people for nothing. Right. And for me, I got to such a low place that it was just like, I just needed to eliminate myself from the equation. Like I just needed to be out of it. My husband can find a new wife. My kids can have a new mom that will be, that will fall in line, that will show up to every family dinner and sit there and talk about whatever, you know, we won't address anything deeper. We won't talk about deeper questions. Um, we're not going to talk about like what's really going on with anybody because we have to show up a certain way. I, I, I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like I cannot, I can't show up as that person anymore. That's not who I am. So how do I, like, where do I go? You know, it is the, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you like, you know, you can, because I know everyone's experience is different, but it's like, those are the moments when you're in that, you need to know, you didn't ask to be in that situation. You didn't ask. I'm genuinely searching for truth. And I find all this stuff out and I start learning this and I start realizing that maybe I don't have the answers. And then I, and then you start having these PTSD symptoms where you are completely disassociated when you, everything's crashing and nobody gets it and nobody's there to help you through it. And no one's like, Hey, you know, you're, you're really struggling and you're going to, and like, I understand it's, you're scary. The devil's got you, right? <laughs> anything you go through and anything you struggle with, if you don't show up for something, well, yeah, look, it's cause she's sinning. Yeah. Of course she's going through that because she's not in church. You know, of course your kids are going to act wild. They're not in primary, like all these things. And it's like, to me, it still goes against what we are taught because we are taught, you know, you know, to have compassion for our fellow men and to be helpful and be there and serve and, you know, help others in times of needs. I mean, we, we do all those things for people in the church if they're having a baby or if they, there's a death in the family. But what about when you're going through some really deep personal internal stuff? You know, what about the people that are going through, whether they're in or out, you know, what if they're going through suicidal thoughts? What if they're going through depression? They have anxiety. Mm-hmm. What, what about those? And they're, they're not going to come out and say, hey, hey, guys, I'm having a really hard time. I'm really depressed and I'm anxious. And I really need someone to step up and be my friend. Like, right. That's not a thing in the system. In the system, you don't do that. You don't show up and say, hey, I'm struggling with mental health issues. Hey, I've got this going on. Like, you know you know, it is, I, I feel like I should not be here anymore. I feel like I am a problem in every single person's life. I feel like my existence is just a negative thing for everyone around me. That is not healthy. And when you're in that, to try and climb out of that space alone is. All while the, everybody's dumping all of their <laughs> negative stories about you on top of you. And it's, it's hurtful and it's, it's, it's not helpful. And <laughs> It's, it's just adding fuel to the fire, to be honest, because, you know, you're doing this for yourself, by yourself. And I don't know, I, I just feel like they just turn up some people, and I shouldn't say all people do this, because there are some really beautiful people out there that can see, they do have that internal Christ-like love. Christ-like love, and they can see, you know, so-and-so's not showing up, 
yeah. you know, consistently, yeah. something might be going on with them and maybe I should reach out and check on them regardless if it's a faith crisis or if they're having mental health issues. Mm-hmm. I yep. think people just get really scared that somebody actually might need their help, you know, besides, you know, delivering food for a baby or a death, like anything outside that is foreign and scary. And, but it's because we don't understand it and we're not taught it and we don't know how to react. If somebody, I think you don't know how to help. You don't and, know. And we're, and the, you know, I've come across that myself where it's just like, I so desire to help somebody in this situation, but I just don't know what the best way to go about it is. But I don't ask the question, how can I help you? Right. You know, what do you need right now? Right. And, but, but that's the thing is doing this is so hard and so scary. And like putting my dirty laundry out there and being like, Hey, listen, this is where I was. This is what was going on with me. But if I can even help one person that is experiencing that, get out of that hole and in, in any way, any easier than, than how I did it, than the way I had to do it, then here it is. Judge me because, because, and and also on the other side of it, even if you are not in that space, if you have somebody else in this space, if you have somebody else that's going through something that you don't understand, isolating yourself and like, and, and not asking a deeper question or not like saying, Hey, you know, I just want to understand what's going on. Like there are so many resources to educate yourself on how to help somebody else with mental illness. One in four people will struggle with mental illness, whether it's anxiety, depression, you know, OCD, like whatever it is, there's so many different things. We, like you said, we don't know how to help because this stuff isn't talked about. We aren't honest about what we're going through. We're not honest about what we're experiencing. So we don't know that we can actually say something. If one person says something, then the other person feels like they can, then they can, then they, everybody, we make this, we normalize mental health. And then by doing that, people that don't struggle with it can understand that this is normal. And like, how do we support this? 25% of our population, you know, even if it's not, um, like a biological, you know, thing, if it's brought on something like a faith crisis will, will, will spiral you and you will experience physical, mental, emotional trauma. And, and that's what it is. When I heard the word trauma for the first time, I was like, oh, I'm not doing that. Like I told my therapist, no, I don't have trauma. Like this isn't, this isn't trauma. No, I don't have PTSD. Like this isn't that. And then I started learning like, Oh, wait a minute. This is, but I just mm-hmm. thought it was bombing in Iraq that causes PTSD. Right? No, 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 no. It's, it's, it's so much more than that. And so many people in your life are experiencing it right now. So how do we show up for each other? Be honest. Let's talk about it. What are you going through? That's okay. You know, Yeah. And really, if anybody that's listening right now that, you know, doesn't know the next step or, you know, has questions, please reach out to us. We've been through this and we know people who have gone through this too. And we might not have like a picture perfect answer, but we can at least give you some ideas of how to help if you are, you know, not comfortable, you know, asking that person directly Mm -hmm. because 
you know, we all, we all want to be helpers. Innately, we all want to help and we want to feel useful and that we are needed. And we need everybody. We need everybody's gifts. We need everybody's beliefs. We need everybody's gifts in this, mm-hmm. on this planet. Mm-hmm. We need each other. And I think that we are taught so much to, you know, push people away that don't look like us or they don't think like us instead of embracing them because we are all here on this planet at this time for a reason. Mm-hmm. And you've got to think of the deeper and more beautiful tapestry that's being wove that we're all in each other's lives for some reason. Why is that reason? And let's figure that out. Mm-hmm. Even if we drive, you know, each other bonkers or, you know, whatever the relationship may be, we are all in our, each other's lives for a reason. And it's for a bigger perspective reason. It's for a higher purpose. Mm-hmm. And you've, we've got it. I feel like that is a really important question to ask too, because so we could have come down at any time, point in time, but we're all here right now. The, this time where, you know, all of this stuff is coming out. We have a lot of information at our inner, at our fingertips. I mean, I remember what I have to, I would have to go to the library, get an encyclopedia of Britannica just to look up one thing. Mm-hmm. And that would take so much time. Now I can go on my phone and look up anything up about anything. Mm-hmm. And what a miracle that is. What mm-hmm. a blessing that is. And I feel like if we stop treating it like all this information is bad and evil, we can do a lot more good mm-hmm. than we can do harm mm-hmm. if our intent is in the right spot. And I feel like the majority of people, their hearts are in the right spot. Mm-hmm. And let's move forward with that. Let's, you know, do something with that instead of uh, just trying to pick people apart because it's, it's really hurting a lot of people that could bring a lot to the table for humanity. Right. So here's the thing though, is it's like, when you say that, it's like, this isn't just about the people that are hurting that are experiencing, you know, something dark. When you have a child walk away from a religion that you still believe in, 100% so deeply, you are hurting. You have fear. You don't understand what's going on. You don't know what's going to happen to them. You love these children. You want the best for them. We get that. Like that was, I went through like a whole phase where like I couldn't even address my stuff yet. I was so afraid of how I was going to affect my parents, in-laws, Colton, my kids, like my, you know, my extended family, everybody. It's like, wait, you understand, like we get that it's, it's so many people. So we have, like Ashley said, we have the internet in our pockets at all times. We have information, we have resources, we have professionals. We have like so many people have created spaces and created, um, you know, places of information that you can have like a tidbit of information. Like how do I help this person right now? How can I, how can I show up for this person? Or how can I, um, Whatever your interest is, if it's, you know, it doesn't matter. The point is, is that what we're trying to say is, is that you're here for a reason. Whether you're going through something right now or you're in the life of somebody else. We are all here at this time experiencing this life right now for a purpose. So we, Ashley and I, 
we want to help every single person that we can find their purpose and know their purpose and know that you have value and worth and a reason to be here outside of playing a role in other people's lives. You alone have this value and have this worth and, and we both like started learning and experience like so many different systems and, and things that help that have helped me find my purpose. Why am I here? What am I supposed to do? Every single system I've looked at has told me, Jessica, you like to talk I'm like, well, yeah, I've learned, I know since kindergarten, every single report card I ever had was like, yeah, she's really smart, but she just talks all the time and she doesn't ever stop talking. So it's like, I've wanted to start a podcast for a really long time, but I had so much fear because I know it's going to cause waves. I know it's going to make people uncomfortable. I know that like, I'm going to affect people around me. You know what I mean? But when I look at, which I know might sound absolutely bonkers to other people, when I learned astrology, like deeply, deeply got into it, aside from like your sun sign, right? Like I'm not talking about a magazine. I'm talking about real astrology. It's like, wait a minute, this makes sense. This is who I am. Yeah, I have Mercury in my first house. This is part of my identity. Like, in, like this is, every single system was like, Jessa, you're here to teach people that when you break away from a system, this is before I even had a faith crisis. Like human design, you know, Gene Keys, uh, astrology, um, like anything, they all have the same thing. You are meant to, like you are here to stop generational um, patterns and generational wounding and things that keep happening to people in your family, women, whatever. There's things that happen. And I am supposed to stand up and talk about it and say, listen, this is happening and I'm seeing it and I'm watching it. When, like, I don't know if I ever told you this, Ashley, but like when I was in middle school, I, I had people in my family that struggled with mental health and it bothered me so bad to see the way they were treated and the way that their stories were told inaccurately. And I always said, I don't know what I want to do when I grow up, but I think it would be so cool to like go to schools and be a speaker like at schools, just teaching other people that like everybody has hard stuff. Everyone has stuff that they're hiding. And, and there's a lot of things that we don't understand that we judge. And like, this was like, I was like 12, you know, and I kind of forgot about that until I got older and I started hearing all these things that like, you're just, you're meant to bridge the gap. You're meant to bring two groups of people together. Okay. Okay. This might be BS. So I'm going to go, I'm going to learn about something else. Oh no, this is the same thing. Oh, so does this. So I'm like, Hey, here I am. See what happens. You know, everybody has a purpose. And, and when you start to realize your gifts and what you can bring to the table. And when you start to share those things, you gain the confidence and you like you brighten you. Like, I feel like my light, I always feel so inspired and so good when I am doing something that I feel is why I'm here. Like it feels so, so true and so right. Which that, that is the point. And that is the purpose of being on earth. It's not to become a perfected saint. Mm-hmm. It's, it has nothing to do with that. It's a, and it's not about you being, you do 
doing perfect things. You are supposed to mess up. You are supposed to make mistakes. That is how you learn. And if you are like that quote, if you are not making mistakes, you are not learning. So here is Jessa and I making all the mistakes so that we can learn because we know a lot of what we don't like and we are figuring out what we do like and we're bringing those together so that we can move forward and strengthening our gifts and strengthening those things that we thought were weaknesses, but they are actually mighty boss strengths that we have. They are freaking bomb diggity. Because I grew up saying, oh, Ashley, she's so quiet. She's so shy. That's what I was told. Somebody told me that, and I believed it for so many years. And finally, like just not that long ago, maybe a couple of years ago, I had an aha moment, and I told my husband, I was like, I was never shy. I was told that I was shy. And so I assumed the role of being a shy person. People in the church, I love you, but you are told that this is who you are. Yes, you are, but you are so much more. Like you think in that that picture that you um, showed us at the very beginning of the card, of the little tiny earth, That is what we look like, I feel like, to people of the church, just this tiny little blip. But as you zoom in and you focus on, like, you as a whole, you are a beautiful, bright star that is meant to shine. That is, that is, that is God's gift to you, is that innate knowing of your self-worth, your self, um, your, all, all of your gifts. And with that, that's where you are able to share and do and just be the best person that you can. Because you can't do that locked up in a tiny little cube. Right. You can't. You cannot serve to your highest capabilities in a box. Yeah. yeah. And that's what we're trying to break down. Yeah. Not you, you know, not, we're not knocking down over, you know, belief systems and religions. We're just opening up the box and say, hey, it's really bright and fun and sunny out here. You know, join us if you want. Well, obviously we're not going to be able to like go into everything that we had planned. Right. Um, this is but listen to that podcast. That one, that one was, yeah, this one. I can't opposite. Yeah. There's people and there's, they're like the stick figures. And this is one of my favorite ones. And the guy is like, stay in the boat. And then the other one says, you'll drown out there. And the guy's getting out. He goes, you realize we're on land, right? And he's walking away and the people in the boat say, I feel so sorry for him. And he says, yeah, I'm going to go do land stuff. Good luck with all this. <laughs> and they're stuck in this boat because they don't know because they're afraid. They think they're going to drown. They think it's going to be scary. Guess what? It's not. It's beautiful. It's expansive. There's so much outside of it. And I'm not saying you have to, like, leave anything or do. You don't. You but, don't have to do boo. You don't. No. Do what feels right for you. Do what, what feels good. If you feel good where you are, Great. If you're struggling or you know someone who's struggling, realize that that's normal and that's okay. There's so many resources. That's why we're doing this. There's hope for you. Like you will be okay. It's just, you may not feel okay in this moment, but you will be okay. And it just gets better. It just gets better. And it's great. Hey, until next time, much love and stay true to you. When you feel it's hopeless, when you think that you lost Up from the dust, oh, here we go, 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 let us see a
show what we 